Hey friends, this is Andy Storch, and I'm excited to announce that we are bringing the Talent Development Think Tank Conference back on February 22nd and 23rd in Sonoma, California. Yes, you might remember we hosted this conference for the first time in January 2020, and it was a huge hit with everyone telling us it was the best conference they ever attended. And of course, we were looking forward to running it again in 2021 until the pandemic hit. That's when I launched the Talent Development Think Tank membership community, and that's been going strong since May of 2020. But I know how valuable it is to get people together in person, and that's why we are excited to be bringing the conference back again on February 22nd and 23rd in Sonoma, California. I'm committed to making this a highly engaging and interactive event where you can connect, learn, and grow together with other talent development professionals. This is going to be the best event out there in talent development, and I would love to see you there. If you want to find more information and get your tickets today, the website is tdtt.us conference. That's tdtt.us slash conference. I hope to see you there. Welcome to the Talent Development Hot Seat with your host, Andy Storch. The show is dedicated to helping you develop the most important part of your organization, the people. If you are in HR or talent development, or you just want to learn how to get the best out of your people, then you are in the right place. Each week, Andy shares interviews with talent development professionals, thought leaders, and experts to share best practices, learn about the latest trends, and find out what has been successful in the world of talent development. This podcast is designed to give you what you need to be successful in the world of talent development. Now, here's your host, Andy Storch. Welcome to the Talent Development Hot Seat. I am your host, Andy Storch, and I am grateful that you are joining me today for another fantastic interview to help you accelerate your success in talent development. And you know, I'm always on the hunt to bring you the best guests, the best thought leaders out there in the talent development world, as well as some great advice and experiences and thoughts along the way to help you be more successful in talent development. And today's guest is a legend. He's not someone who's worked in talent development like many of our guests, but has so much experience in leadership and developing others. My guest today is Lee Cockerell, who is retired as the Executive Vice President of Operations for the Walt Disney World Resort in Lake Buena Vista, Florida, a position he held for more than 10 years. During that time, his responsibilities encompassed a diverse mix of operations, which included 20 resort hotels with over 24,000 guest rooms, four theme parks, two water parks, five golf courses, a shopping village, and much, much more. Lee joined the Disney organization in July 1990 as the Director of Food and Beverages and Quality Assurance for the Disneyland Paris Hotels. Prior to joining Disney, he spent 17 years in various executive positions with the Marriott Corporation and eight years with Hilton Hotels. He's just a plethora, a ton of great experience working in food and beverage and hospitality and managing and leading people. And Lee made some major changes and transitions in his career from the classic command and control that he learned coming up in the 1960s to become more of a modern, inclusive leader, leading with empathy and discipline and helping people and being open and creating a great culture and environment where people wanted to come to work. He's going to talk all about that in this interview, what it means to be a great leader today, what helped Lee be so successful, how we can be better leaders and create better culture and better environment for our people. Uh, Lee is also the author of six books on leadership, management, and world-class customer service, including Creating Magic, 10 Common Sense Leadership Strategies from a Life at Disney, The Customer Rules, The 39 Essential Rules for Delivering Sensational Service, 
and time management magic, how to get more done every day, move from surviving to thriving. And he also has a book called Career Magic, how to stay on track to achieve a stellar career. So much great content, so much great advice. We dig into some of Lee's stories, his background, his advice on leadership and talent development and creating great culture. And I'm excited to bring all of this to you. A couple other notes. Lee Cockerell has already joined us as a speaker in the talent development think tank community. And the recording from that conversation is available in the archives as well as on our member podcast. If you're a member of the Talent Development Think Tank community and you missed that call, you can go back and watch that recording, that replay. And if you're not a member of the Talent Development Think Tank community, come join us. You can find out all the information on our website. It's tdtt.us. That's tdtt.us. You can see the different options for joining, including our full membership and our foundation offer. And you can join for $1 for the first two weeks just to check it out, join a couple of our calls, see if you like it, if it's a fit, connect with some people, and then hopefully you'll enjoy it and you'll want to stay on with us. So uh, Lee's talk is available in the Think Tank community. Lately, I have been recording bonus content interviews with guests and sharing that only inside the community. But today, when I get to the bonus career questions with Lee about his greatest career accomplishments and greatest uh, biggest failures and trends he's following, I'm going to keep that in our Talent Development Hot Seat podcast today and share that with you because this is such a great conversation with Lee. And I know a lot of people can benefit from hearing his insights and wisdom. So I wanted to keep that here and share that. But no, we do have a members-only podcast available to our Talent Development Think Tank community members as well with a lot of our bonus content and recordings from our calls. Again, you can get all the information by going to our website, tdtt.us. All right, without further ado, here is my interview with Lee Cockrell, retired executive vice president of operations from the Walt Disney World, and the author of six books, including Creating Magic, 10 Common Sense Leadership Strategies from a Life at Disney. Enjoy. Hey, Lee, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. Good to be back with you. Yeah, great to talk to you again. Uh, we connected originally through Dan, and you spoke a couple months ago inside the Talent Development Think Tank community, which was just a great conversation about your background and approach to leadership while you were at Disney and throughout your career and what you do to help clients today. And we got into so many great discussions about leadership, talent development, diversity, equity, inclusion, and I'm hoping to touch on some of those things today because uh, I know you have a lot of experience and insights and wisdom to share. Before we do, I'd love to just start with a little bit of your background, your story, and how you ended up becoming this great thought leader on leadership that you are today? It's a good question. <laughs> I sometimes wonder how that happened myself. <laughs> right. I think I told you before, I grew up in Oklahoma. Uh, you know, we, we were pretty poor. Uh, uh, my mother was married five times. I, she was kind of busy. So I spent a lot of time with my grandmother and uh, I got adopted twice. So I had got my name Cockrell when I was 16. Uh, by husband number four, which is kind of odd, but uh, he was a great guy. And um, I left a couple of years after that, went to Oklahoma State University for a couple of years, forgot to go to class, flunked out, went to, went in the army, which was probably the best thing that ever happened to me because it was really great. I liked structure, I liked discipline, and I needed it at uh, 20 years old. And um, after I got out, I met a guy in the army. He said, you want to go to Washington, D.C. with me? I'm going to open the Washington Hilton. It's a brand new hotel. And uh, I said, sure, why not? I'd never been anywhere in my life. Went and got my car. We drove to Washington. We got a room at the Marriott Hotel over in Virginia. It was $8 a night. And uh, drive in, check in. 
man, we went over to the Washington Hilton the next day and I ended up getting a job as a banquet waiter. And uh, first time I'd ever been in a hotel. And I've never been, I mean, really, I would never been on vacation. What, what year was that? When you live on a farm, you don't. Uh, the hotel opened March 15, 1965. And uh, I was lucky to have some people that took me by the hand, taught me the business and showed me the way. And uh, I got really good at it. And then I got into a management training program uh, in the, uh, doing the uh, finance and accounting for the food and beverage business in the hotel. And even though I had taken accounting twice in college to make a D, uh, I learned quicker when I get to do it. And yeah. Show me, but uh, I stayed with Hilton eight years. Uh, I met my wife in the Washington Hilton, uh, and that's where Reagan got shot back in the eighties uh, by John right. Hinckley. And uh, then I got promoted to go to Chicago, to Chicago Marriott or Chicago Hilton, and uh, then I moved to the Waldorf Astoria after that in New York City. And then we went to Los Angeles to the Hilton downtown uh, LA. I was the food and beverage director there. And then I stayed there a year and a half or so. And I had a boss I didn't care for. And he, I, don't, I don't know if he cared for me either, but I ended up leaving. And I worked for Marriott, first went to Marriott, worked for Marriott 17 years, became the vice president of food and beverage planning for the company. And because I had focused on, really, I knew a lot about food and beverage by them. I'd been in accounting, I'd been a waiter, I'd been a cook in the army. I'd, I'd, I had a lot of experience. So I, I always tell young people today, focus on becoming really an expert in something. You always have a backup. You know, there'll be something, you'd be the person they call. And so I stayed with Marriott, moved all over from, uh, First, I started in Philadelphia, then we went back to Chicago, then we went to Washington, then we went to uh, up in the uh, Springfield, uh, Massachusetts, and then we went to Paris. I got, re I got recruited by Disney in 1990 to go to France and open the food and beverage operation. Hmm. Because I, there again, food, You're an expert. that's what my background was. And um, even though at the time I was a general manager of a Marriott. So went there, stayed three years, became the vice president of the hotel division, which was six 1,000 room hotels in France. And then after I got called to come back and work at Orlando, which I'd never worked in Orlando before at Disney. And uh, came back, I was uh, senior vice president of hotel operations. And then I got promoted a couple years later to be in charge of all operations at Walt Disney World. So a miracle. <laughs> <laughs> I had them. I I had them believing I knew what I was doing. <laughs> so well, you had that expertise, right? And you, you... I did, and I'd really, uh, yeah. I I did. I was in charge of operations for ten years at Disney World, and then in uh, nineteen uh, or two oh six, I retired and wrote four books and started a podcast and started uh, really uh, doing consulting work and uh, speaking, uh, mainly keynote speeches around really around the world. It's amazing. Everybody wants to know something from Disney. So yeah, I've done about six or 700 of them over the last 15 years. And, wow. uh, and literally everywhere from Kuwait to uh, China to uh, Australia. Yeah, it, yeah, it's been really great. My wife goes with me when she can or wants to. If she likes where I'm going, she goes. If she doesn't, she stays home. Yeah. And uh, that's what I'm doing now. And uh, 
Got a couple other books out since then, a textbook at the State University of New York system on fundamentals of finance uh, for freshmen. Hmm. And another one my, my son and I wrote with two engineers, it's called uh, Hardwiring the Magic. And it's how to put pretty much uh, the system into your company if you were in, wanting to change your culture and performance. And we developed that and uh, published it about four months ago, five months ago. So, and uh, that's just what we do. And then we talk to people with podcasts because I got I can't lay on the couch all day. Right. I got to get up and do something. Get up every now and then and uh, grab the microphone. Well, we're glad that you came to talk with us today. And yeah. you've done so many things in your career, but it seems like you you kept moving forward. You kept moving up. There's a reason why Disney reached out to you and said, hey, we want you to come you know, run food and beverage over here in, in Paris in 1990. You talked about being an expert, but there must have been something else you were doing that allowed you to keep moving up, working well with people where people identify your expertise and want to keep promoting you. What, what other things do you think worked well in your favor that helped you be more successful in your career? Yeah, I know what a fear of failure. <laughs> so I, worked, I got up every morning before everybody else. And uh, you know, I was an insecure young man. I mean, I grew up in a very dysfunctional family, didn't have a college degree, grew up poor in the country. I didn't know from anything. And I said, you know, when I joined the army in 1964, I didn't know anything about Vietnam and it was going on. I didn't read the paper. I didn't watch it. I knew nothing, you know? Wow. I mean, it's just, you talk about uh, ignorance. <laughs> I mean, when you don't know. And I was just a young kid. I thought you stayed in high school your whole life. I mean, that would have been good for me. But, uh, you, you know, what I learned is you get that experience and the next one, the next one, they pile on top of each other and you become a different person. And, uh, you know, today, after never being anywhere till I was 20, I've been to 45 countries. I've done work in 45 countries around the world and it uh, changes you. And that's why I tell people today, the most important thing you can do is concentrate on getting a good education, whether it's in college or whether you, you just have a lot of uh, curiosity and every day you're focused on like something and reading and then get experience and exposure. If you don't get the exposure, you'll never quite be as good as you could have been. Exposure is a big deal. You know, living in France, that's exposure. Uh, living in New York City is exposure. I tell young people today, when you graduate from college, get out of your village go to the big city for five years. Don't worry, your mother's gonna be mad, but you've got, you gotta get out and get away from, all, everything in your village is gonna not change. It's gonna be the same. Everybody you know is gonna be the same. You may live in a place where there's a lot of, uh, uh, you know, big, bigotry and racism. When you get to the big city, it's just, nobody cares about anything except performance. They don't care where you're from, what's your background, if you're gay, if you're nothing, I mean, you just perform. And that's what I love about big cities. Uh, they're so diverse. And, yeah. and I, I would have never got that in Oklahoma. Yeah. I remember you talking about that when we did our community call earlier, Yeah, you know, changing that mindset and the importance of, I believe you said experience, education, and exposure that yeah. you come from a small town where everybody looks the same and is, is, <laughs> you know, highly, you know, racist or, you know, discriminates against other people living different sects of the same religion. But when you get out in the world, then your view really changes. Yeah, I had a guy I worked with at Disney years ago. He said, Lee, you know, when I was in New York, I was a CPA. When I was in Orlando, I was a black CPA. That's how people referred. You know, isn't that mm. amazing? I mean, and 
those kinds of things I just never thought of when I was growing up, just didn't strike me. And uh, a lot of us are still guilty of that, you know, referring to a friend as a black friend or uh, an Asian friend instead of, it's interesting. I don't know if they say we're white friends, but yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's uh, something I really try to pay attention to not doing anymore because it, it gets in your brain and it's hard to somehow get some of those comments and things out that are stored up there. Yeah. Well, while we're on the topic of equality and like this idea of diversity, equity, inclusion, which has become, you know, ever more popular over the last year, you said that, you know, being in the culture at Disney really reinforced that as well, because at Disney, it doesn't matter what you look like or who you are, as long as you've got money, that's all that matters, right? Well, yeah. I mean, the guests and, and literally the number, I think there are probably people working at Disney from maybe a hundred countries around the world. They're from everywhere. And uh, yeah, if you don't like inclusiveness and diversity, you probably don't want to work at Disney uh, because there's no tolerance for not treating everybody respectfully. And, uh, and the guests too. That's why it's probably so popular. People go where they're treated right and respected and included and where their kids are treated right. And, so uh, if every company would learn that, they'd probably do more business because that becomes your reputation as a place that uh, you feel comfortable. And we all want to go, you know, even on vacation, we go back to the places that year after year where we feel comfortable, <laughs> where we get treated right. And uh, it's a good lesson for any organization. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that's so important. And I love that that's part of the culture there. That culture is also known for, you know, being tough, right, but fair. And I remember you talking before about the importance of empathy and discipline for success in, in working. I wonder if you could comment on that as well. Well, you know, I comment on that as empathy and discipline, because I say the best leaders in the world are mothers. And that's the two things they use to raise you, empathy and discipline. And they'll use both of them on you. <laughs> you may not like the discipline one, but you should, after they give it to you, they'll also tell you they love you before you go to sleep. So, uh, you know, they build, they build a person with self-confidence. And uh, I think in, if we get in the workplace and just get back to that, you got to have empathy because people come from all backgrounds, different problems, insecurities, uh, and uh, you got to help them get on their feet. And that's funny. I mean, if we're going to be a leader, that's what it means. It doesn't mean bossing people around and uh, intimidating them and making them feel insecure. I mean, that's about the worst. I always so there's no upside to making people feel bad. And I tell people all the time, if you think there is, try it on your wife. You'll find out <laughs> there's no upside. And we've got to get over this problem of uh, thinking being the boss. And that's one of the things for me. I've been a totally changed person probably the last 20 years or maybe longer than when I finally decided I didn't want to be a boss I wanted to be a teacher and uh, you know the best teachers really develop their people their organization good teachers have empathy good teachers have discipline good teachers tell the truth they have they have hard conversations they make hard decisions and I think if every boss out there in the world would think about becoming a teacher they'd get a lot better results and because um, people never forget it when you help them. I mean, and today, let me tell you, if you want to keep your people today, you, you hear all these companies saying they can't find anybody, nobody wants to work, nobody coming in, they can't hire, and it's in every level. Offer them training and development and tell them you're going to help them get better and have a future. 
because training and development is what keeps them. The salary will not keep somebody at your business today. Mm. You know, I don't care what it is. If you don't, and especially young people today, you better offer development and training and a future and a salary. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I think a lot of companies are missing that and you need to tell them that when you're about to hire them. So they know they're coming into something more than just uh, 40 or 50 hours a week of drudgery and work. Mm. And because uh, when you know you got a future, it's easier to get through the mundane day. Yeah. I mean, it is, you know, when you see, wow, you know, it's, it's kind of like getting on the treadmill, you know, you don't want to, but you stay on it because it feels good and it gets you in better place. Right. And uh, so I think those are the kinds of things business and you're, you know, the work you're doing there, HR better get focused on that and better convince the CEOs that we've got to offer more and just uh, a salary. Uh, that'll yeah. that won't last long. That, that'll last until they find something else because people want to matter they want to be respected they want to be included they want to be involved they want their opinion to count and if you don't do those things the odds are you're going to lose your best people first and then you're going to lose uh, your worst people later right yeah <laughs> For over three years now, the Talent Development Hot Seat Podcast has been proudly sponsored by Advantage Performance Group. Advantage Performance Group provides creative learning and consulting solutions that equip individuals, teams, and organizations to be the best at what they do. Advantage helps leaders lead, sellers sell, and businesses flourish, and you to be more successful at your job. The Advantage website has great free resources, including this podcast and an amazing webinar series that include topics such as innovation, future storming, inclusion, sales, leadership, and so much more. To get access to all of our free resources, as well as overviews of the solutions that Advantage offers, just head on over to AdvantagePerformance.com. That's AdvantagePerformance.com. No, you're, you're right. And we, we talk about that a lot in this podcast because the data backs that up, right? Especially the younger generations. Um, people want to know that they're going to have an opportunity to grow their careers and learn something and get better when they take a job. It's not just about the salary or the title or, or that sort of thing. As you were leading thousands of people at Disney, you know, what was your approach to making sure people had development and growth opportunities? What was your approach to developing people? Yeah. Uh, we went through a process back in the nineties of making sure that I, I called it the great leader strategies. I developed that and it rolled it out to everybody at Walt Disney world. And it was a, uh, it was a 10 strategies on what it means to be a good leader. And one of them, the first strategy is everybody matters. And it talks about how to make sure that every person who works for you knows they matter. Because if you don't know you, if you don't think you matter, you're not going to be committed to doing excellent work. You're going to come in, you're going to get do as much as you have to do, get your paycheck, get out of there. And uh, so uh, develop those strategies and, Training and development is part of that strategy. Treating people respectfully is part of that strategy. Teaching people what professionalism looks like from the people, the customer. Teaching people things they don't know, which is a lot, especially in our business. You know, those are entry-level jobs. And a lot of people are coming out of pretty, pretty tough homes and uh, environments and neighborhoods and cultures. And we've got to bring them up to speed on all the things their parents should have taught them. And frankly don't and didn't and uh, mm. so uh, we believe that uh, the number one thing you do in business is hire the right people and really take your time and number two is training number two is 
absolutely training. And I tell people today, every, the only thing mothers and fathers worry about for their kids your whole life is safety and education, safety mm -hmm. and training. You know, that's it. And I don't care how, when your mother's 100 and you're 95, she's going to be worrying about that. Yeah. Now, be careful, be safe. So we, we create, and safety to me is not just a physical safety. It's also mental you know, that I feel like I'm in a safe place where people care about me and, uh, you know, the doors open and I can go talk to people and I'm treated like everybody else. And that is a huge problem in the world today. Leaders are not doing it. I always tell people, you should be the leader, the kind of leader you hope your kids have when they go into the workforce. Mm. How would you like your daughter to be treated like you're treating people at work? How would you like your mother or your son? Or no, you wouldn't. I mean, you would have a fit if your daughter couldn't get in to see somebody or get some coaching or get some training or get some development or get some encouragement. You would, you would have a fit. Yeah. I tell nurses that too. Be the kind of nurse you would be if it was your mother laying in that bed or your daughter. And that mm -hmm. puts a whole new spin on life. And sometimes yeah. we, we don't do that because people are annoying. I mean, a lot of people are suffering from anxiety, depression, and so we, we, they become a pain in the butt and we don't treat them right. Well, when your family has those problems, we treat them even better. <laughs> you know, we, right, we and, still take care of them. You gotta think, we gotta think every day about the human factor. I mean, if you don't get that right, nothing gets right. If I can't get you committed, you're gonna give me just enough to get by. And if you think I really care about you, you're gonna give me more. Yeah. And uh, it's, that's it. I mean, it's, it's so simple. It, and I didn't know that for 20 years. I mean, I, uh, I really learned that at Marriott and, uh, and at Disney uh, the last 35 yeah, I, I remember when we talked before, you, you said you had a bit of a wake-up call because there is that, you know, a lot of people grew up with that old school mentality of leadership, of command and control and micromanage everything and make your people miserable, just get the job done. And what you're talking about is empathy and compassion and communication and being open and inclusive, which is all in line with my philosophy on modern leadership. I think how modern leaders need to interact with you. You said you operated the old way for a while and you had, I remember you had kind of a, a moment where you decided to make that change, right? Yeah, and I think we have to remember the times I started working, I'm older than you. So I was working in the 60s. Well, most of the senior executives by then had come out of World War II, had been generals, colonels, majors, captains. And you know, in those days, you it was pretty much a do what you're told. Yeah. <laughs> We're not interested in your opinion. We have a way to do things here. And that gradually changed by the mid eighties. You know, the young people are not gonna put up with that anymore. They, and in the nineties and now, I mean, I got two, two people in my family, a young uh, a niece, uh, she is the smartest in the world. And she went to a big company in Houston and they didn't treat her right, she quit. And she went across the street and got a job with another big company. And now she's in a senior role. I mean, they took her and, and I have a grandson who's a biomedical engineer and he worked two years for a company and he didn't get, see the development. He didn't see anybody paying attention to him and he quit. He's gone and got a better job, both of them. Yeah. And so you, you can't wait until, you know, don't make sure people don't have those feelings, you know, uh, stay close to them. Make sure you're talking to them and make sure you're getting them right training and feedback and coaching and because they'll walk away. 
people that are really good can get a job every morning right now. Let me tell you, engineers, biomedical engineers, doc, anybody out there, managers. Uh, and uh, if you don't have the human, you know, the technical knowledge is great, but that's, you spend less time doing that. By the time I was a director of food and beverage, I spent less time worrying about the coffee being hot mm. and more time about getting the people into work and making them feel good and being productive and keeping labor costs under control. And right. it, it wasn't the technical part of cooking eggs and bacon. <laughs> well, that's a big that's a big shift for a lot of people, right? Because they come up being rewarded for technical knowledge. And then when you become a leader, especially when you have lots of people reporting under you, it's not about the knowledge anymore. It's about enabling the people that have the knowledge. And I'm sure when you got to that position at Disney, you got hundreds or thousands of people coming under you with a lot of technical knowledge that some of it you may not even understand, right? How do you manage that? That's exactly right. And people used to ask me, what, Lee, what'd you do at Disney? I said, nothing. I just made sure everything got done. I hired great people in engineering and food and beverage and retail and security and transportation and all of those highly technically uh, difficult positions. And then I just, when you make sure you hired the right people and you're clear with them about their responsibilities and you give them the authority to run their business, they'll do a better job than you can ever do. And they, frankly, great people don't want people micromanaging them. Mm -hmm. in the butt every time, if you got to get your boss's signature on every single thing. I said, if you don't trust your people, well, you, you've either hired the wrong person or you need to go see a psychiatrist and see what your problem is. Because why would you pay people all these money and then want to be involved in everything? That's not for me. My job was to make sure things got done. And I just focused on three things, making sure we were hiring the right people, training, making sure everybody got trained right, and that we were committed to it and creating a culture where everybody mattered and wanted to come to work in the morning. Yeah. You know, a lot of people don't want to go to work in the morning <laughs> and that we should create a culture and an environment where they get excited about waking up and wanting to come in because they're treated mm -hmm. right and they're, you know, and their opinion counts and people are involved and help them. And uh, that's, if you get the right culture, it doesn't matter what you do. How, for so how do you, how do you create and maintain that culture? I know Disney's famous for that, right? How do you create and maintain that culture where people are excited to come to work every day? I think a couple of things. Good, we got good leadership because we pay attention to hiring the right people and getting rid of the wrong people who are in leadership positions. And leadership is, means people who can make, have hard conversations with people when they're not performing, can make hard decisions, have empathy, have discipline, uh, are there for you when you need them, you're available. All those simple things that... Uh, uh, you don't put on a PowerPoint. They're, they're who you are. Yeah. And we hire those kind of people. And then uh, we make sure that that transfers to the uh, next level of management and all the way down. And, and uh, we hire people for attitude. We want people with a good attitude. Mm. Uh, and then we uh, help them uh, get the technical training, and teach them something, make them really good at something. And then we teach them how to be good leaders. We teach them how to be good managers, how to get things done, be organized, disciplined. And uh, as long as your leadership is committed to the people, the people are getting everything they want. And, and I'm not telling you every manager at Disney is that we got managers that are struggling because uh, not because they don't want to be better is because they have so many issues in their life, uh, tech, you know, credit problems, uh, housing problems, marriage problems, that it's hard to be a good leader when you come to work in the morning. And, uh, and that does impact people have a lot. 
the amount of anxiety going on in the country right now, as you know, is yeah. huge. Yeah. Every other person you meet is suffering from worrying about their job or their school or their kids or their, are they going to get fired? Are they going to lose their house? Uh, so uh, we've got to be there for people when they come to work in the morning, make it a place where, you know, sometimes if you got the right place, it's better, it's more fun to come to work and it is stay right. home. Yeah. If things are tough at home, you at least create a great environment where when you come to work, you know, you're going to be respected, appreciated, treated right. kindly and fairly and included. And uh, so it's a great place to be. For some people, that's where they get all of that at right. work. And they become different. Just like I said, they get that exposure and they become better people. And then we train them and they get education and, they, and then we get them into a better job. And, uh, you know, 15 years later, their life is totally different and their kids will have a whole different life. You know, you start it way back and you change generations by changing the people right now and giving them a shot. And especially in our business, you know, most people that work for Disney come in at entry level. I mean, it's like, you're just coming in, you might be cooking, you might be waiting on tables, you might be cleaning rooms. And we have many, many, many that end up being a manager five years later, 10 years later, executives, vice president. Opportunity. I always tell people the most th best thing you can offer is not healthcare, it's opportunity. <laughs> you, know? Yeah. you know, young people are not worried about healthcare, they're worried about opportunity. And uh, if you can't offer opportunity, they're not going to hang around just for the healthcare. Mm. We think that sometimes, but they're not going to hang around for the salary. They're not going to hang around for the healthcare. They're going to hang around because somebody's not going to be staying in. A, somebody that wants to get ahead is not going to stay in a job for 20 years that they don't like. Right. So you better give them a different viewpoint of the future. <laughs> yeah. Give them opportunity, give them training, give them growth. You said earlier that you know, the number one thing the business can do is hiring right. And then number two is training. And you talked about giving people opportunity. How do you make sure that you're providing the right kind of training? Is it, you know, listening to people? How do you, what's the approach to providing the right amount of training or right kind of training? Yeah. Well, first of all, uh, we've got to make sure that we're providing the technical training right off. You got to be able to do your job because that's what the customer's looking for. Yeah. If you're a cook, you got to be able to cook. And if you're a, uh, uh, checking somebody in, you've got to have the technical training. You got to understand the computer system, all the how to do it, how to. So the technical training is obviously. I think every company thinks about that first. We hire people and we want to teach them how to, you know, serve the donuts, and uh, so. And then second, uh, management. Later on, we open up classes from learning how to be a better manager, how to organize your day, how to think about your priorities, how to get things done, how to use a day planner, how to which most people don't know they've not had that training in high school and college and i'm telling you it's one of the most important things you can learn is how to uh, be committed to being disciplined organized reliable credible keeping your promises doing what you say you're going to do and i'm sure you run into that in your life people mm -hmm. say they're going to do something and, you know you go online and they're not there yeah uh, uh, and then third uh, technological training. We've got to make sure we keep people up with technology today. It's a whole different ballgame than it was 20 years ago. Uh, if you don't stay up with that, you become irrelevant. Uh, we can't put you in hardly any job because there's so many demands from technology. And then last, we talk, we do a lot of leadership training of teaching people how to, how to coach and how to counsel and how to teach and how to, uh, again, we teach them the importance of uh, uh, empathy and leadership and what it means and how it's different than management. You know, management's just learning how to do things. 
and being organized enough to get them done, check them off. Leadership's about how to be better, how to be a better person, be there for your people, be there, um, uh, be able to have hard conversations, uh, be able to uh, uh, encourage people, give them recognition. Those are the kinds of things that really matter. Technical training is one of the easiest things you can do. People can learn that, but tr people, treating people right, is, that's where that falls down. Uh, I can teach anybody to do anything, but if they're gonna annoy everybody around them and yeah. be a, have a bad attitude and say inappropriate things and tell inappropriate jokes and sexual harassment and you know all, all the stuff that gets everybody in trouble. Very right. few people get in trouble for their technical knowledge. Right. They get in trouble for the stupid things they do. Yeah. yeah. So, if you want them to motivate and, and lead other people, they need those soft skills or leadership skills. And those sometimes be are underappreciated, right? We've got to teach that. Yeah. Stuff. I can't lead you unless you trust me. Mm. If I'm going around saying stupid things about other people and all the kinds of idiot things people do today, you're not going to trust me and I'm not going to be able to reach you. And, uh, you may do your job just to keep your job until you find another one, but uh, you may smile to me, but you may not be that happy. <laughs> yeah. I just same, same with, you know, there's this big movement, right. To creating more inclusive cultures, same thing, right. If people don't feel like they're included, they don't feel like they're appreciated or valued. They're, we don't have that psychological safety. They're eventually going to go somewhere else. You're going to lose great people. Absolutely. You know, people talk about, inclusiveness like uh it's not a, you know i always tell people diversity and inclusiveness are two different things diversity you can see i can see if you're black or brown or i you know mm -hmm. inclusiveness i can't see that's up to you are you going to be do you have that kind of respect and and uh and people know if you are or not you can have all the programs in corporate you want to have about inclusiveness but it becomes who you are do you really respect everybody mm. And do you make time for anybody? And do you make sure that uh, the person that doesn't speak English very well gets treated just like the person who came out of a college? I mean, inclusiveness is making me feel comfortable and feel like I'm involved and important. And, um, you know, you go to the cafeteria, you don't sit down with the same people every day, you go over and sit with a group that, you know, uh, uh, you get, you get as much exposure as you can because I tell people, if you can't even, if you can't take an international trip, at least go to a Mexican restaurant tonight and get some exposure, <laughs> you know, right. I mean, get, get to meet people that are not like you, but do it on purpose, do it because mm. it's going to help you and you're going to like it. It's, you know, it's uncomfortable for a lot of people to yeah. get out of their little box and, go up to somebody and say, Hey, would you like to have lunch? And I'd like to know more about you. Can I do something for you? Or, you know, to go to, uh, go to places where they're not comfortable or the people are all different than them. Mm. And you got to force yourself to do that because when everything's hard before it's easy, when you do it, you know, it becomes easy. Yeah. It's like anything you don't want to do, you should do. <laughs> until mm. it doesn't bother you anymore. Get out of your comfort zone, right? Until yeah, you know, uh, think of all the things you don't want to do. You know, you know, I jumped out of an airplane with the army. I was scared to death, <laughs> but I'm not anymore because okay. I was with experts. Yeah. And I learned, okay, yeah. And uh, going to places, you know, I mean, yeah. 
whether it's the toughest neighborhood in town, I feel comfortable going there because I, I, I have worked with all these people from around the world. I know where they're coming from. Mm. And uh, it's just, uh, you know, I know Priscilla and I went to a, a wedding and we were the only two white people there. Mm. And they really appreciated us coming. And we went to South Africa and we went to uh, into the black areas where there's five, se five to seven million black people living and we were the only seven white people and we took our grandkids and to get that exposure, to get comfortable, to not be afraid. Hmm. Because half the time we're afraid of things that aren't even true. <laughs> right. <laughs> and uh, I think exposure, I think forcing yourself to do things you don't want to do is one of the best things you can do. Public speaking, you don't like to public speak, do it. You yeah. don't like to exercise, do it. <laughs> you know, because mostly you're on the right track when you do things you don't want to do. <laughs> right. Yeah. And growth happens on the other side of discomfort, right? I'm a big fan of that. Uh, yeah. If you want to grow as a person and in your career, go do new things, try things, get out of your comfort zone. Have a conversation with your person that's not performing. Most people don't want to do that. Mm -hmm. They let it go. Yeah. This is a and shame on you because you're hurting them. Yeah. And uh, so I tell you, it's hard before it's easy, but the day after you do it, you feel a whole lot better. Then you don't, then you don't have to lay awake and worry about it all night, every night, because you haven't dealt with it. Well, that's right. And I, I've dealt with plenty of that myself. I am, you know, a people person, a people pleaser, I guess you could say sometimes I don't like conflict. And so I'll run away from that sometimes. Easy to make a lot of friends, but hard to have that tough, you know, performance conversation, whatever it is. But I've learned that the quicker you can just dive in and address the uncomfortable thing and have the conversation, you know, it's going to be so much better. And you don't lie awake at night with that anxiety of like, ah, I don't know what to do about this situation because you just had it. I talked to a consultant recently. He said he's working with executives that their biggest problem is they want to be liked. Mm. And, you know, the work I do, we talk about liked, maybe you will, maybe you won't, but it be your only go thing. You need to be fair and firm. Just mm. like your mother. Yeah. <laughs> your mother wasn't trying to get you to like her. She right. was trying to get you ready for a bigger life. Yeah. Fair and firm and empathy and discipline. I mean, when people get, we, we got to work with it. Do you understand that? <laughs> you know, mm. yeah. because if you don't get there, your life is not going to turn out the way you want it to. Yeah. You're, you're, you're going to just not, your reputation will, people know, people know if you're going, if you care about them, they know. Hmm. They know. Yeah. You may in fact think that we always think nobody knows. They all everybody knows. <laughs> so. People know, right? They can tell. All right, fair and firm, empathy and discipline. That is the way to lead. This is this has been great, uh, Lee. I want to ask you a few more questions about your career specifically. When you think back across your your long career and all the things you've done, what was your greatest accomplishment or proudest moment? You know, I think at the end of the day, uh when I started getting known to have a reputation for being somebody who you could depend on to develop you, to help you to train, I would say that, that, that switch over to be from being an autocratic, tough, hard-nosed manager to being somebody who worried about other people more than I worried about Lee. Mm -hmm. Early in my career, all I worried about was Lee. I wanted the job, the bonus, the promotion, the stock options, uh, the car. Uh, I could care less about anybody. Hmm. And uh, I made a big transition and it took a while. And that transition alone was, I'm so glad because today I said, if I'd have stayed on that 
track, nobody would have come to my funeral. I right. mean, so, uh, so that I think uh, learning that not underestimating the influence you have and how much you can help somebody. Mm -hmm. The most satisfaction I get today out of anything is when somebody writes me and says, thanks for what you did for me. Mm. Or thanks for, thanks for working with me on that. Or thanks for telling me that. Or thanks mm. for that hard conversation you had with me. Right. That turns me on because they, they don't forget about it. Right. When you help people, they don't forget. You may forget, but they won't. And so I, I would say that is that transition is uh, that I'm going to go have a good reputation and leave a good legacy of somebody right. who helped other people. Yeah. Yeah. That's what legacy is all about. And a uh, great, great thing to be proud of. Um, flip side of that, what's one of, what was one of your biggest mistakes or failures in your career? And what did you learn from it? Well, I think one was uh, uh, certainly uh, not including everybody in my thinking, the dishwashers, the, the people doing the work, uh, not having enough respect for them when I first started out working of, you know, it was just those people. Mm. And, and uh, the best leaders, you know, somebody told me, always go to the lowest level possible where the information and judgment is present before you make a decision. So when I started figuring out that out and started talking to the guys who cleaned the bathrooms at Disney about how to spend less money on chemicals and how to clean them faster. And they had a hundred ideas I could have never thought of in my whole life. Hmm. Because you don't know, if you don't do the work, you don't know much. <laughs> right. And, uh, and uh, so I would say that is a, a respect for the knowledge people have that is free. Uh, doesn't cost you anything except a little attention and respect and ask and treating people right. And uh, they're glad to help you be successful. Yeah. And uh, that, that, that's a big, that's a big switch. And you see it across the world right now, people not uh, showing respect to people at the lowest levels. And mm. they've, you know, uh, that, that's the key is treat people right and they'll treat you right. And uh, you know, I always said, people won't be committed to you unless they're sure you're committed to them. Yeah. And as my wife said, tell me you love me. Don't keep it to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good, that's good advice right there. Reminds me too of like, uh, it's important to, I'm big on writing down my gratitude every day, but they say, if you're grateful for someone, you don't tell them it's like wrapping up a present and never giving it to them. Right. So it's like, true. Tell, tell people and, you uh, we get in bad habits about that. We forget how important mm -hmm. that is. Yeah. I mean, you can make somebody's day by just saying, hey, man, I'm glad you're with us. I hope you stay with us. Mm. You're doing a great job. I hope you stay in our company. And you go on down the hallway. You just, you've made their day. Yeah. And you may have kept them from leaving right there with 10 seconds. Yeah. I mean, we, we underestimate how much we all want to be liked and loved and cared for. And uh, we all need it. Yeah. Everybody. Everybody's Absolutely. insecure. They just, a lot of people put on a good face. But. Mm, indeed, <laughs> indeed. Um, I know you don't directly work in talent development, but I always like to ask my guests, is there a trend that you're following in talent development or leadership development that you think is interesting right now? I do. I think the only, uh, if people don't really get focused, I mean, like big time on this training development for people and make sure they have a plan when they interview them and bring them in, and they sit there and they explain, here's your hours, here's your pay, here's your health care, here's the training and development you're going to get, and here's the potential you can have over the next few years in this company. You've got to set up 
a bigger picture for people of the future. And I think that is one of the easiest ways to keep people right now. I mean, because people are they're getting picky about where they're going to go next. And I want to hear that you care about me and you're going to look after me and you're going to help me and you're going to, uh, and when I got that, I'm going to stay with you. Just because McDonald's offers me another dollar downtown next to my neighborhood, I'm not going to leave. Right. You know, you know, there's either cost or investment. <laughs> and some mm -hmm. people call me up and they want me to do work for them. And I tell them my fee and they say, oh, I don't think we can afford that. I said, well, then you're really not, a, you know, your people are a cost to you then instead of an investment. Uh, because, not an investment, right. You know, if you're, you know, that's it. You're either investing in them and they stay or you uh, consider them a cost and eventually they'll leave. Yep. Or you'll reduce them very quickly in a recession. You got to get rid of the costs. Yeah, <laughs> it's I'm, like I don't think you would get rid of your kids during a recession. <laughs> no, <laughs> might save me some money, but it, you know, probably not a good idea. Well, so many things are an investment. Discipline is an investment. Yeah, uh, empathy is an investment. Mm. Uh, training is an investment. This, you know, telling the truth, telling, uh, having the hard conversations, that's an investment. Yeah. And I think we, we sometimes don't realize that those are, those really build the value of your people and make them worth more. Yeah. And, you know, if I can take a dishwasher and two years later, he can be a cook and then he can be a sous chef and then he can be a chef 10 years later. But that was a pretty good return on my investment. Absolutely. Uh, really <laughs> you know, cool. Lee, yeah. is there a, uh, you've written several books yourself. Is there a book that you recommend or has made a big impact on you that is not yours that you, you recommend to others? Yeah, there's two that I always talk about. The one, well, first one was The Effective Executive by Peter Drucker. Mm. I love that book. I learned a lot from it. And, uh, and the other one, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. I mean, that is so simple and anybody can understand it. And anybody can implement it. You don't have to uh, have a MBA or a doctorate to understand yeah. what he's saying. And simplicity for me. Yep. Simplicity, get to the point. Tell me what to do, not just, you know, you tell me what to do, but also please tell me how to do it. Mm. A lot of people give you a lot of advice like you should. You know, I might say you need to have a better attitude. Well, how do I do, how do, I do that? Yeah. You know, or you don't seem to care about your job. Uh, that doesn't help you at all, yeah. you know, and, and I got to give examples and detail. Uh, and mm. I think we don't do enough of that. And a lot of that we don't do because it's hard to say those things to people. Yeah. So, uh, I just, yeah. so uh, basics, uh, don't get bored with the basics in life. Okay, they work. Yeah. Every mother's the same as they were a thousand years ago. <laughs> right. Don't get bored with the basics. All right. Last question for you, Lee for those out there who are looking for ways to accelerate their own career success. And you've helped a lot of people. You've had a lot of career success. You've helped a lot of other people with their careers. What's one more piece of career advice you would give? Yeah, I would say I just, I would go back to make sure you're getting a piece of experience, education, exposure, and look at yourself, look at your, look at your calendar. What are you doing on purpose in your life? Mm. Are you getting education? Are you going to become an expert? Like, I didn't get it from college. I got it because I got it from experience. I got it from exposure and then I got interested in it. So I started reading more and following the right websites, listening to the right podcasts. Mm. You can become an expert. And I think people want to know what you can do for them. Yeah. 
so you got to be able to say to somebody, uh, I tell people today, they say, well, I don't have much on my resume. I just got out of school. I said, don't write them and tell them in a letter attached to that resume, what you're going to do for them. Mm. Tell them how reliable you are and how you had a job as a teenager, and how you worked after school and how you worked in school and, and how you're, you never miss, you know, tell, let me just tell me what you can do for me and how organized you are and how you plan your day. And, uh, then the, your resume is not what they're going to hire you for what you can do, not what you have done. Mm. And, and uh, we need to explain that because a lot of people, it's hard to get in for an interview these days yeah. because all this online crap. And I just say, I write a really letter. Tell me everything, who you are and what you can do for me and make it different than anybody else that's sending in an application. Yeah. About them. How are you going to help them? Right. Yeah show that value. Lee, this has been great. Lee Cockrell, of course, author of Creating Magic, 10 Common Sense Leadership Strategies from a Life at Disney, as well as several other books, The Customer Rules, Time Manager Magic, Career Magic. People can find more information about your books and all the stuff that you do by going to your website, leecockrell.com. Anything else you would add or a place where people can go? That's good. I agree. Thank you. I hope they go and learn and, and uh, it's never too late to get better. Just start now. Indeed. You will start today. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. All right. Well, thank you so much, Lee. I appreciate you. Good to see you, man. All right. That was my interview with Lee Cockrell, retired executive vice president of operations from Disney and author of six books, including Creating Magic, 10 Common Sense Leadership Strategies from a Life at Disney. I hope you enjoyed it. You got some takeaways. So much wisdom shared there from a man who has worked in many capacities and led so many people and helped so many people and is so focused on helping and giving value to others. And I strive to be the same. I know you do as well. So hopefully it gives you some things to think about, not only how you can operate, but how you can approach leadership development, leadership and talent development in your own organizations and culture as well. If you want more help with that, of course, I always recommend you come join us in the Talent Development Think Tank community where we're always having conversations about topics like these. We have a lot of great guest speakers joining us. Lee was already a guest speaker in our community a couple months back, and we have some other great speakers coming up. So if you're not a member and you work in talent development, come check out our membership community, tdtt.us. When you join, you can go to that website. When you join, put in the code HOTSEAT, H-O-T-S-E-A-T, for 10% off your membership price, uh, which will save you a good amount of money over time. And if you want to find out more from Lee and check out his Cockerel Academy, which is an online learning system, you can go to his website, leecockerel.com, L-E-E-C-O-C-K-E-R-E-L-L.com, or cockerelacademy.com, where he has his online learning system. All right, that is it for our interview today. Hope you enjoyed it, and I will see you next time. Thanks again for listening to the Talent Development Hot Seat. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to leave us a rating and review on iTunes to help other people find the show. And as always, you can find all of our episodes and tons of free resources on our website, talentdevelopmenthotseat.com. Thank you again. Take care.